everybody. Welcome to the latest uh, Lyft podcast. We are very lucky to speak today to Michiel Wolvers. He currently works at the head of, as a head of data science and analytics in the fintech startup called Hepster. He's based in South Africa and has always continued to work with data. Michiel led the Colombia Financial Diaries from 2011 to 2012. Him and Marcel, um, we were very enthusiastic about the book Portfolios of the Poor that we both read in 2010. Um, we were in awe about the complexity of the financial lives that low-income people in Bangladesh, India and South Africa were managing. And like most other readers of this book, we were impressed how skillfully and carefully these people were managing their money. And that book was immediately a breakthrough. And many people in the financial sector learned for the first time through that book how much people in Asia and Africa were saving. So Michiel felt it was important to see whether financial diaries in Latin America would show the same patterns as in the other two continents. And at that moment, I had just moved to Santa Marta in Colombia. It's a medium-sized town on the Colombia's Caribbean coast. And Michiel was prepared to lead the study and supervise all the field work, manage the data and do the reporting. And that is how the Magdalena Financial Diaries started. Um, Michiel, it has been 10 years, a full decade, since the Colombian diary started. Um, could you tell me what findings still stand out most to you to, today? Yeah, 10 years already. Eh? Um, yeah, maybe before I start a question uh, or, or start answering that, thank you so much for having me. Uh, definitely like the financial diaries in Colombia was the most fascinating and insightful projects I've worked on in my career to date. Uh, so yeah, I'm very happy to talk about it and, and actually still do this sometimes with, uh, with, with friends or colleagues. Um, so yeah, maybe to come back to your question, uh, the key finding that really still stands out to me today and can summarize in one word, and that is credit. For me, you know, like I come from a country whereby, uh, well, actually we come from a country whereby uh, people are very credit averse. So most people in the Netherlands only take out a loan to buy a house. So yeah, taking out a loan for shopping, a car, or even a credit card is not very common. So yeah, it was very much the opposite of what we came across around in the Magdalena Diaries, uh, and appears to be more similar about how uh, credit is actually used in the US. Uh, so we have actually based on what I know, next for being. So yeah, uh, in Colombia, we, we just saw credit everywhere. Uh, it really starts with like a local shop. Uh, people go to buy their, their, their small groceries and they get a store credit, what they call fiado. Uh, this is what means trust in, in, in Spanish. And um, yeah, supermarkets, they also provide like, for example, like a credit card for their customers and uh, which their customers can actually buy all over the country. So not just in the supermarkets. Uh, and as well, for instance, to stick with those supermarkets, they also sell electronics on a buy now, pay, uh, pay later basis. Whereby, uh, like it doesn't say, for instance, like, okay, this fridge costs $1,000, but instead the prices are written as in a monthly payment amount uh, and also take more than a year to repay. Uh, 
so yeah, that's that was quite a, a difference for for me. Um, and yeah, moneylenders, of course, they were never far away. Um, yeah, we saw a lot of our respondents were somehow linked to the moneylenders. And interestingly, also the the, the frequency of, of payments. Uh, so payments, uh, people who would receive their money on a daily basis uh, would would uh, would need to pay on a daily basis. So actually, the moneylender came to their house to collect the payment on a certain time. Uh, Salaried workers who, uh, of course, like get their money on a monthly basis, they would uh, get a loan and pay back on a monthly basis. And coffee farmers who, uh, in the area we investigated, the coffee farmers, they had uh, an annual harvest. They would only pay on, a, on an annual basis. So that was, that was uh, very interesting. But yeah, generalizing the study, uh, money was often spent before it was earned. And um, so, thanks. So the financial diary studies that were presented in the portfolios of the poor, they showed how much people saved. And now you are saying that the respondents of the Magdalena diaries didn't save? Um, yeah, well, not, not at all, or yeah, they actually did save. Uh, but that's interesting bit, uh, because it's what, what I find is that it was a very different form of, of saving than when we're used to and what, we, what was found in some other countries. So yeah, first of all, uh, most, if not all respondents actually did have some form of emergency savings. Uh, but of course, yeah, this can only get them so far. But yeah, second, um, as I do believe is described in the book, Portfolios of the Poor, uh, a loan can be seen as an expensive forced way to put money aside to make a large purchase. So as most of us can attest to like, not spending your heart and money when you, when you get it, like it can be a challenge. Like you have it on your bank account, why not you know, like make a trip, go on a holiday or, or, or just buy this new television. So yeah, keeping money aside and, and try to prevent the rest of the family to, to use it or uh, to keep it safe if you're living in a high crime area uh, can be very challenging. So yeah, uh, that is where credit comes in. So, um, Creditors, uh, if you if you take a loan, buy something now, uh, if the creditor or money lender or bank, uh, they will make sure that you actually make those regular contributions. Um, so instead of um, saving small amounts now and buying it then, buy it now and then pay small amounts to the to the creditor. But of course, you need to pay interest for that as well. Um, and yeah. Um, Keeping money at home may, of course, uh, not provide the best return on investments. Uh, so like uh, how I'm used to an informal economy, we keep our savings at the bank and the bank then invests this money or lends this out to others. And some of those return on investments the bank gets is shared with us to the form of interest and dividends. Um, and in addition, of course, if you're credit worthy, uh, loans become available to, uh, to credit cards, a bank loan or a mortgage. In the diaries, it, it worked a bit different. And I find that the respondents uh, were somewhat mimicking this and acted as their own banks. So instead of keeping money in the bank account, uh, the, the, the households actually lent out this money to their friends and family with expectations for to receive money back with some interest from those family and friends. Um, or they would actually invest their savings in a business of their family and friends and to reap benefits at a later stage. Um, but yeah, then the interesting bit came in and that actually, uh, we only discovered it over time. Like people were not upfront from that from the beginning, but yeah, we discovered this 
uh, so things part of the financial diaries method that you keep on visiting the same people. Uh, we discovered that some of those responses were actually moneylenders themselves. Um, so yeah, some of them had, had some cash at home. And uh, for instance, we had one of our respondents uh, see uh, she actually get a bank loan uh, uh, to use for uh, to set up a business. Um, so she had this cash from the, from the, from the bank. However, after receiving the loan, she actually found a partner in a nearby village uh, with, with who she moved into, moved in uh, with. Um, however, because of that, she couldn't set up her business. So instead of setting up the business, she actually started lending out the money to people in her new community that actually established herself in that community. Uh, so yeah, they got some like social interaction. At the same time, she created for herself a constant flow of money. Um, and we saw many more of those kind of examples. That was an interesting bit. Um, and yeah, of course, those loans were not always expected to be returned. Uh, and, and, and can be cashing as non-monetary goodwill, like uh, the friends of them, you can, of course, help with as well. It, it sounds like um, what you're saying is that um, borrowing or taking a loan and saving are actually almost the same thing with the different timing. And where a loan provider forces someone to repay, which actually helps helps that person to to set money aside and with savings nobody's helping you and that is why it's so much harder i i like this story a lot um but didn't the respondents in the in the study not have access to formal bank accounts to save their money i would have expected for colombia that people have have bank accounts yeah, great question. Um, especially because, like in Colombia, the banking sector uh, was and, and I think is uh, quite advanced, quite quite well developed. Um, but yeah, like actually, I would say that most uh, of our respondents uh, did have access to a bank account, but actually decided not to use them to to keep their savings. And this was especially so for respondents who were dependent on government subsidies, uh, like the conditional cash transfer in action. Uh, which appears was the result of a government policy. Um, so yeah, this this was we actually found it out uh, like while doing the study, uh, while talking to to people, um, uh, yeah, actually the beneficiaries of that. Um, but as well, like later we did a, a we did some research on this kind of to confirm that this was indeed the case. But yeah, what we found out is that uh, in the in the past uh, that the way that government was uh, providing the subsidies. Which was not paid to a bank account for like a different form. Um, they actually communicated to the recipients that uh, whoever left money in their bank account would be shortened of their subsidy, or even a subsidy will be will be stopped. Um, and of course, yeah, I, I assume that they did that, uh, assuming that the beneficiaries who didn't take out all their money didn't need it. Um, but yeah, of course, the result of this is that people, as soon as the money arrives to their to their account, they go there, withdraw their money to prevent any 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 shortening of their of their of their next subsidy. But yeah, um, at the later stage, the, the Colombian government did change their policy and actually tried to nudge people to use their bank account more than just receiving their subsidy. So actually, they tried to have people leave that money in the bank account, even deposit some other money. Um, and as a way to, to have access to, to, to formal finance. Um, however, um, yeah, as you can imagine, it was already too late and uh, the recipients kept their behavior of withdrawing the money as the day it arrives. And um, 
I would say understandably so, because I, based on this information, I would, uh, would have done the same. Well, that's a very interesting finding. I think other countries also have, have trouble convincing people to use the, the bank accounts they get with conditional cash transfers. But here, it sounds like quite, quite a big mistake was made at the beginning. Um, so talking about government subsidies, a popular belief is that some people have children to get more subsidy and then use the money um, for their own expenses or even waste it. That idea seemed to be going around in Colombia. Did you find this in your study? Hmm. Yeah, um, great question. Uh, but unfortunately, I need to disappoint. Um, pretty much every time we, uh, when subsidies were arrived uh, and we found that uh, respondents uh, spending did go up um, but at, at the main at the same time this was mostly used towards food and other uh, necessary expenditures um, and yeah actually we like like talking about subsidies like um, other subsidies were received as well uh, so we were there when a, um, a, a a flood subsidy was provided what you call Ola Invernal um, and some of our respondents uh, received that um, and it was in the, in the banana growing area. And um, people basically, they, all of a sudden, they, 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 they got a, a really big sum. It was much bigger than the, the previous uh, uh, yeah, subsidy they, they arrived. Um, and uh, they had the same behavior as the smaller subsidies. They thought, okay, let's directly go withdraw this money uh, just in case it's taken by the government or we are, we're shortened. Um, and at the same time, there were actually robberies uh, reported on the roads of people taking their subsidy home and, and the money was taken. So it's created a lot of like, like, like stress. Uh, in, so yeah, I remember that one lady actually bought a secondhand motorbike, which she didn't even know how to drive. Uh, but yes, he did this because he was scared of keeping that large sum in cash. Um, and the motorbike could actually give some return on investment. Uh, so yeah, it's proved to be actually a faulty motorbike and she lost a lot of money in that. Um, but yeah, like initially, actually prior to receiving the, the subsidy, uh, we did ask her like, what do you plan to use this subsidy for uh, if you get it or, or when you get it? And um, she did have some ideas well, to improve their house to, to kind of make it flooding proof uh, and, and, and buy a new bed. Um, in the end, she did use some of the subsidy for the money and did some improvement, but, uh, but, but much less than she actually uh, anticipated. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the stress of, of having that, that big amount all of a sudden, I think, uh, yeah, might have, uh, might have affected that and, and, and yeah, uh, led to some, uh, some different behavior there. Um, yeah, for me, it's really, this is kind of like a demonstration that in financial inclusion, we are very much focused on helping people to transform this really small amounts into large amounts uh, over time. Uh, so that they can acquire some, some, some bigger assets. Uh, but learning from this study uh, as well is, is having, that, uh, having a large sudden sum can also be a challenge, uh, which requires some financial instruments uh, to, to help them manage that. A savings, uh, savings account, for instance, um, could help. Uh, but yeah, they might actually also need help to transform large sums uh, and spread it over like small amounts uh, over time so that you can uh, get, let's say, uh, some kind of return on investment. Um, so yeah, this, this situation, of course, may be very different if the situation would have been handled differently. 
uh, from a government perspective. Uh, for instance, uh, communication about when the payment would come uh, can be quite erratic uh, for at least for the recipient side. Um, they wouldn't really know when the payment would arrive. There is a notification that some payment is, is coming, but they don't really know when. Uh, and, and often those, those, those bi-monthly uh, Familiars and action payments are, are delayed. Uh, and that leads to the recipients only knowing about the pay uh, the day it arrives. And so they get an SMS or, uh, or, or hear that from someone. And that's why like, like last minute people rush to the bank and, and, and try to withdraw the money. And that of course can lead to um, increase in stress and, and robberies uh, along, along the way. Um, so yeah, perhaps if the recipients would have known when the payment would arrive, they could have anticipated it and make a plan to, uh, to actually how to spend it. Um, and um, yeah, if, if the same time as all, of course, like what a previous said, if they would have known that the money would be saved in their bank account, the government would not be able to access it or shorten their subsidy. They could have left it there uh, until they had an, 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 a plan for it to, to use it to uh, improve their house, for instance, or buy a fridge or, or anything they actually wanted to do. That's very interesting. And, and I think I, I would like to add that this is um, some findings in addition to the financial diaries, right? It was a separate study in, in that area, which had these large uh, sudden payments uh, from the government because there was there had been flooding about nine months before. Um, so thanks a lot for sharing that. Um, it also sounds like there's a lot of mistrust of bank accounts um, of the government, and this leads to people withdrawing all the money, and that actually creates significant risk of robbery. And as a closing question, how do you look back on the Magdalena diaries, and how do you see diaries research in general now, with a decade of experience to your life? <laughs> Yeah, how do I look back at it? Uh, like I said, yeah, very positive. Uh, it was super interesting. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, kind of an anthropological, um, very qualitative uh, kind of study. Um, and I really believe that these studies are vital importance to really understand people around the world uh, who are less well off. And especially I think in this time, um, like I work in, in the world now of big data where whereby people's behavior is constantly monitored and tracked and yeah, it generates large bodies of data through mobile phones, bank accounts, social media. Um, yeah, government and, and companies uh, can and you are using that to nudge people into certain behavior or to improve their, their service offering. Um, and of course, this could be good or bad. Uh, I think there could be a lot of discussions, but I, I do believe that some of those services can be beneficial for uh, underserved people or pretty much anyone. Um, so yeah, I think it's a fascinating field, but I also believe that people who earn less are, are often underrepresented and likely misrepresented in that, in that big data. Um, as an example, um, it may look that, that poor respondents don't have an actual uh, active financial life based on the financial transactions uh, that, that we can see in, in those in the, in the big data. Um, but actually, well, what we can see in, in this, these diaries is they're actually very active in managing their finances. And they use a lot of informal tools that, that don't show in this, uh, in this big data. Um, and of course, like in addition, like in our study, like this decade, 
ago, like many of the respondents did, uh, did have a mobile phone and will likely now have smartphones and, and access to the internet. However, access to the internet might be more erratic for them. Um, and they will likely change their, their, their phone number more, more frequently because of social and, and financial shock. And it makes it harder to track the online presence and, and understand their, their needs. Um, and really, I think this is where the, the diaries really shine. So I can really can complement those big data studies and provide more elaborate qualitative understanding on, on actual behavior and how improved uh, services can provide it, can be provided to underserved populations. So um, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's very important and, uh, and we should definitely continue with it. Thank you very much, Michiel. They are extremely useful insights and, and good thoughts. And I, I really appreciate um, to, to hear from you after you've done so many new things since the diaries and, and to learn from, from your perspective on that study that took place a year, uh, a, a decade ago. Um, I also want to take the opportunity to, to thank you for the study that you conducted. Um, you worked extremely hard and you really um, were so involved and could unearth some very important findings that up to today I sometimes use in, in presentations and, and use as examples. And maybe we should do another podcast to still hear even more examples of what you learned from the 34 households in urban and rural Magdalena in 2011 and 2012. Thank you very much. Yeah, sounds, sounds, sounds great. And of course, I thank you for starting up the, the diaries uh, because, of course, the, the, the start after you shared the book with me, and, uh, and 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 you really started that uh, the diaries and, and made sure that we uh, that we actually did it. So yeah, it was a pleasure. Okay, and I want to thank our audience wherever you are. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Lift's podcast. Mm -hmm.